Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Rowing Chat, the podcast for the sport of rowing. I'm Rebecca Caro, and I started this podcast back in uh, 2013, and it's an interview show format where I find interesting people from all different parts of the rowing world and invite them to come and tell me their stories. Now, today, I'm joined by a unique group of three athletes who are all about rowing with purpose. They came to the sport of rowing by slightly unconventional means, as you will find out, and uniquely have taken part in some amazing adventures. Let's kick off. Isaac, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Hello, everybody. I'm Isaac. I'm 28. I'm currently based um, in St. Albans area, just north of London. I've uh, been, I guess, rowing now for five, five years or so, I think it would be. Um, yeah, rowing on rowing machines to uh, rowed on the river a few times and uh, rowed across the Atlantic. He just slipped that in. Did you notice? And I just rowed across the Atlantic. It scales up. Ben, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. ben Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I, I'm Ben. Um, uh, so uh, I'm actually friends with Isaac and uh, we, we rowed the Atlantic together in, in the same team. Um, I'm based in in South London, and yeah, I'm 29. <laughs> uh, but you are a river flatwater rower, Ben. Yes, yes. So I uh, started rowing in university uh, on the rivers. Uh, so probably realised I wasn't going to beat anybody in a 5k regatta. So I thought I might be able to beat you over 40 days instead. <laughs> I like the attitude. And Emma Green. Hi, my name's Emma. Um, I started rowing because I was diagnosed with Parkinson's um, and about five years ago. And the diagnosis came with a, the only thing that can help you is exercise. And I thought, wow, that's great to be given something that you are told you have to exercise with. So we went to a sports shop and I thought, well, I don't like running, so I'm not going to get a running machine. Don't really fancy the cycle. That's a bit boring. So I thought, oh, I'll get myself an indoor rowing machine. And that's where it all started. Wow. And were you a habitual athlete exerciser before then? Oh, no, no. Um, I played a bit of lacrosse for the county. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was it. A little bit of team sports, but nothing else. That's more than me. I managed lacrosse at the under-16s at Merton Park once. <laughs> now, I'd like to kick off with the uh, big stories from Isaac. So... Isaac, you love rowing, but you love rowing with a view to raising money for charity. How did you get into that? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess with any sort of big challenge or audacious task, there comes a point where when you're pushing yourself so hard, there's there, then you need to kind of have a why or a, a strong enough mm -hmm. reason to keep going. Otherwise, if you're just doing it for fun and um, rowing 40 days uh, is, is, is not is not it's not fun if you're just pushing yourself uh, really hard you it's got to be there's a reason and intent in there um and that's kind of one of the things that I like to do is set challenges and push myself um in sort of natural environments getting outdoors doing that sort of thing and that's been really key I guess to sort of building resilience mental health that sort of thing improving it what was the first challenge you can remember setting for yourself the first big challenge probably setting was was at university was the um, swimming the English Channel and the relay team. 
and so that was a that was a big change for me because all my life I'd been swimming in a swimming pool so I guess I had some rowing muscles uh, <laughs> some similarity in rowing anyway from the swimming but um, I was thrown in the swimming pool because I had lots of energy <laughs> from from a young age and then I pretty much didn't really do anything else other than swimming. <laughs> and then I got to university and then uh, there was talk about open water swimming. And then I thought, oh, how can I get myself more into that? Um, and then there was talk about the English Channel swim. So then it was a discussion amongst the, a team from Royal Holloway Swimming Club, um, whether or not to do it or not. And we, we went for it. And that was kind of the leap of faith. I jumped into cold water for the first time in a lake around the corner. And it was a bit of a shock literally a shock because it was freezing and the fact that I was I was a bit overwhelmed with not being in such a safe environment and mm. um, having that sort of immersive nature uh, nature effect it actually felt it, it felt such a new experience that I was drawn to do it again and again and again and then eventually we we trained up to build that sort of cold water stamina swimming for swimming the English channel so started from there and then we had some charity partners as part of the challenge and yeah. it got it was really fulfilling to um do something quite tough and um difficult uh, a lot of people were oh you swam the English channel it's like um an awareness grabbing attention line headline I think and mm -hmm. then you can use that to then pull in a charity or a cause so that you can actually make more of a positive change. So although it's, it's great to say, oh, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. But doing it and ha helping others is is really what's really great. And um, doing the English Channel, we raised money for uh, a disabled swim charity um, that took mm -hmm. disabled um, people into, into I guess, a swimming pool. And you had a, what they called, uh, like a wheel, wheelchair. And we raised money for these wheel, special design wheelchairs for people to, to go in. And it was a charity partner that our club was already doing volunteering with. So we would go there, you know, push them in, swim with them, talk with the disabled people. And then we, we uh, raised money for that charity um, as part of our English channel. So that's where it all began. And then from there, I thought, oh, I want to do more endurance outdoor. I love endurance because it is the ultimate test of the mind and body and soul, spiritual. It does the whole lot, your physical, your mind, everything. And I just, I guess in real life, uh, doing, I was doing a d degree. It wasn't really pushing me um, in, that, in that sense, that spiritual sense. Um, so all the adventures and things like that, they, they provide me um, a sort of a platform to sort of grow. Yeah. And that's why I did it. So why did you want to learn rowing after you'd done the swimming? <laughs> yeah, well, I got to this point where I did the English Channel and uh, a couple other challenges, like outdoor challenges. And I was kind of on the bug of, you know, this is my new life. This is what I want to do. Um, and then people you know, will come with different ideas. Oh, why didn't you do this with me? Why didn't you try that? And Ben asked me, um, would you row across the Atlantic Ocean with me? And, you know, he caught me on the fly. You know, I'm, I'm already in this mode where, like, I'm going to say yes to this stuff. So, um, <laughs> ben, so, I, you're I, so yeah, yeah. And uh, to be fair, um, as a swimmer, I didn't I've, I always knew about kind of rowing um, as in I watched it on TV and stuff. But I didn't come from a rowing family or any family and friends who did rowing. And my town didn't have rowing in, in it. There was there was no talk of rowing at school. There was no, none of that. It was rowing only came at uni I, that was when I really started figuring out what, what this is I thought oh, this looks cool let's go let's give it a go sort of thing so um yeah and then that was my journey into rowing was uh, uh, answering a question saying yes to a rowing across the Atlantic Ocean 
which is not something most people would do <laughs> with no experience mm -hmm. of rowing but yeah ben did you learn to row as a kid or did you learn as an adult I, I learned uh, as an adult. So my at the point that I had asked Isaac to do this row, I was only about two to three years of experience okay. rowing myself. Um, and it's one of those one of those things you look back at it and think, "What were we thinking?" <laughs> yeah, what were we thinking, man? <laughs> that was that was that was some that was some really um, diving in the deep end moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ben, you had the vision to go row the Atlantic. And so you obviously knew about the Taliska Challenge. Mm. And yeah, you, you thought this was a fun thing to do. But you picked Isaac because of his mindset and everything. But you also knew he didn't know how to row. <laughs> well, so exactly like one of the biggest things, I, I've always had full confidence in Isaac on this challenge from day one. Like he has this, this mentality where he never gives up. Um, when he decides he's going to do something, he does it. And he's also like somebody of incredible resource as well. He was not just valuable on the boat, but valuable, incredibly valuable uh, pre-campaign trying to set the whole thing up. Um, like without Isaac, we wouldn't have gotten on the water in the first place. Um, but then like to actually, like, actually to have somebody who doesn't necessarily know how to row is not that uncommon in ocean rowing. Um, which is quite an interesting insight that we get we got from um, talking to other ocean rowers. Um, there's this idea of learning on the row, <laughs> um, ah. where you're out there for so long that you kind of learn to row as you go, in a way, um, which was a, a kind of a very foreign concept to me <laughs> at the time, thinking that, you know, a lot of people do this without significant amount of preparation. Um, but some you know, it doesn't all end well for those people. So I was only taking that uh, that advice with a pinch of salt, but it did kind of, <laughs> it kind of uh, informed my priorities a little bit. <laughs> so you got Isaac down to Putney Town Rowing Club in London and put him in a double. Absolutely, yeah. So <laughs> this was an interesting one. Um, I do, So we went to, we my, my local club that I was a member of kindly agreed to lend us a double uh, mm -hmm. to practice. Uh, on the River Thames and like for people who don't know the River Thames it's, it's quite a complicated river to row on as a as a river uh, it, first of all it's a tideway and so you get these constant tides coming in and out and um, it has a lot of meanders uh, which deposit sediment uh, around and so you get these areas that are very shallow and sometimes hidden and so you have to kind of know the river in order to stay in where the areas that are safe and you're not going to hit the, the shell of the boat. Additionally, around every Miranda, the lanes actually switch. And so you have to look around for like other vessels that are using the river to ensure you don't collide when you cross. So this was not uh, like a, a novice sort of environment <laughs> to go into. Um, so the idea here was that we would I would be uh, at the back steering and trying to like, giving calls uh, and I would kind of use my oars just to give stability um, and I'd let Isaac kind of do what he wanted in kind of mm -hmm. like a safety net where I'm providing the stability and he's just kind of learning to get to grips with it. Um, and so the idea was that I think, I suppose this is quite a common way of teaching most novices in the sense that you allow them to start rowing and you slowly correct small things over a period of time. Um, and I think that 
the most our biggest priority was making sure that um making sure that he got a fill for the boat the fill for what it meant at the time we'd only be doing rowing on on a, on a rowing machine which you know it's great for kind of figuring out the coordination of the stroke but it's very forgiving um we needed to uh, introduce the concept of like um correct self-correcting you know when things are at an angle how do you kind of you know do the next row to get back onto it um it's a kind of a different mindset and so it was more about it was more about like bringing that awareness that new perspective into rowing rather than actually being a perfect rower on the river and of course Atlantic rowing you know there are always waves you ocean rowing any coastal rowing mm. perfection is not actually in the stroke in the same way so there's a there's a, as you say a, a lot of flexibility there yes so <laughs> uh, one one thing that became quite obvious in our practice was that um rowing on on the sea rowing in an ocean crabbing is kind of part of it you just have to yeah. accept it it is not it's not uh something you can avoid and you can't you can't get frustrated it just happens you know you get knocked on your shins your ribs you might hit the other your other partner it, it just happens um sometimes you can have a perfect catch on your right and your your left oar is three foot in the air like it's just the nature of it um, because of the waves yeah. yeah exactly because of the uneven uh waves like you have sometimes you have water like above your head which is a bit disconcerting <laughs> but um then that's you you've clearly done a very fine job so Isaac tell us one story about the trip actually during the Atlantic row weekend. one one big story um I would say it was our first wildlife big wildlife encounter we we were um rowing about maybe it was about five to ten days in I can't remember what no it was more than that it was about ten days in but a very quiet day and quiet on the Atlantic it's like it's like a lake it's glassy there's no waves and you literally are you could definitely do proper river rowing at times um and we were just really hot because there wasn't any winds that day and that means it was very sticky rowing we were carrying like rowing this massive ton boat uh mm. two of us uh, were rowing and the other two were sleeping uh in the cabins and it was just so hot in those cabins and i, I just remember just massive whale just the, our first whale encounter it just came up not not it wasn't like far away at all i think it was only about five meters or so it came up <laughs> it was huge and it was just it was just such a marvel to like be so close to something so massive within a, a, a really big expansive sea nowhere no land it was just such an experience to have to have had it's like you're rowing with whales what <laughs> oh we had loads of whale encounters but that that was uh we swam with whales as well um we jumped mm. in and uh you know we were swimming like strapped onto the boat and we were like underwater the whales were super close going around making noises it was amazing but that first whale encounter was was a surreal moment it was like wake up like woke up everyone from the cabin we all got on deck and we saw it and it was just wow yeah they were ben. so curious yeah. They, um, yeah I think for me a really big highlight was this was something that was completely unexpected um, like you talk to other rowers and they talk about the wildlife and the conditions and the food and all these different things and so you have a lot of these things on your head but it was this this one moment where just 
took all of our breath away for a moment where uh, myself and one of our other team partners, Cameron, were rowing in the middle of the night. And this is late January of 2019. Um, it felt like a night like any other. We have the full moon out and it was really, really bright, uh, casting a nice light over the sea. Um, and all of a sudden, um, it starts to eclipse. And so the moon actually starts to go into a lunar eclipse, which like myself and Cameron got a little bit excited because we had no idea this was happening. Um, you know, star for entertainment out there. <laughs> this was the most entertaining thing that happened in weeks. <laughs> Um, and we're looking up at this thing and just like amazing. But the, what was strange was it was so big and it was so bright and it was and it started to turn red, like really, really bright red. And I've never witnessed anything like like, like I've seen eclipses, but I've never seen something so big and that had such presence. And it turned like all the light on the sea red. It was really, really surreal moment. And for that moment, like we've been rowing two hours on, two hours off. For, mm -hmm. for weeks and in that moment we said like we need to stop and just lie down and just like experience this just soak it in we tried to take a photo but you, you can't capture that on a, on a camera and to give you kind of like an impression of, of the presence this thing had um we you know our sleep is very very important to us we we row two hours on two hours off so you know you only get those two hour slots to sleep in and any disturbance to that is, is you know pretty brutal because I mean, yeah, you, you get quite grumpy if you get interrupted. But in that moment, I knew I had to wake up Isaac. I knocked on the cabin and he kind of like opens his eyes, opens the cabin door, opens his eyes. And he just looks up and I just see his eyes looking at this thing. And he just says, thank you. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I knew I made the right call. <laughs> That is impressive. Wow. And of was... course, the lack of light pollution would have massively intensified what you were feeling uh, and seeing. Well, when we arrived in land, we kind of wanted to know if there was something different about this because we'd never seen it before. Okay. And it turned out it was something quite special. It's, it's an event that happens uh, roughly 28 times in a century where mm. um, it's called a super blood wolf moon. And so, I'm gonna write that down. yeah, it's, it's a crazy name, right? <laughs> super blood wolf right. moon. So it's super because it is the closest. Uh, it's where the moon is the closest to the Earth yeah. in a cycle. It's a blood moon because during the lunar eclipse, the the light coming from the Earth gives the um, the the moon a, a red tilt, a red yeah. tilt tint. Uh, and it's a wolf moon because it's the first moon of of uh, first full moon in January which is apparently like a, an old meaning that we give to these these early uh, moon, full moons. Um, so it was a really crazy experience. Well, I have definitely learned something today. Thank you. <laughs> now, I want to add Emma into uh, the group. Emma, you're, you're a more recent challenge adventure partner for Isaac, aren't you? <laughs> Definitely. Um, yes, I think I'm the one after the Atlantic row. So when um, Isaac was actually on the Atlantic row, um, I was, I heard about it from a colleague at work who was a mutual friend of Isaac and myself. Um, and this was just when I'd started the indoor rowing machine. And I thought, oh, that's exciting. Um, I'm on an indoor row 
and Isaac's rowing the Atlantic. And I'm thinking, gosh, that's a bit more exciting, isn't it? Um, and then my friend said, well, he fancies rowing down the Thames. Would you maybe like to join him? And I thought, oh, that sounds quite fun. Um, I think it was a different part of my brain that, that got engaged, not the fear part, which is normally what comes up with people. Um, but I thought, yeah, I'd love to do that. Sometimes when people ask me things, I like to say it and see if it sounds right. And if, it's, if I say something and it doesn't sound right, I think, no, that doesn't sound right. But it sort of did. Um, then Isaac came back from the Atlantic and we all met up in a little hotel near where we worked. And I'd never met anybody with so much energy as Isaac. And I just thought, I could do this if he does it with me. I think I needed it. And again, what Ben was saying, it's not just about the actual process of doing the row. It's the planning, the organizing, it's the mindset, it's the mental, um, I can. It's that kind of thing that, that Isaac gives. And I thought, okay, let's do this. Um, as it got closer, it got more scary, I have to say. And when I looked at it in the diary, I thought, I wish it was the day after when it came closer. I never told you that, but I looked at the diary and I thought, I wish I'd done it. I, I want to feel I've done it because the actual doing is actually is the really hard thing. Um, but yes, that was that was how we met and how we decided to go down the Thames. So let's just clarify, rowing the Thames starts, am I right, at Lexlade in Oxfordshire or is it? Wilkes yeah, that's does. the official. We we did it a little bit shorter. What did you actually do? <laughs> I think it was Abingdon, wasn't it? Yes, we started in Abingdon. So it wasn't that um, uh, Isaac wanted to change it. He always wanted to go Lechlade to Gravesend. And as our team got bigger, the let's say the negative um, voices were louder than the I can do voices. So whereas Isaac was the Lechlade to Gravesend um, wanting to do wanting to do that everybody else was like no I don't think that's possible let's make it shorter so we ended up doing Abingdon to Kingston in the end um how long did that take you it took us three days three long days we were um, eight a team of eight I think team of eight we so were, what sort of boats of were you in we were in one boat of eight. Oh, I see so it was a sweep with a coxswain, nine. We didn't have, oh, yes, we did have a coxswain. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, coxswain yeah it was, it yes. was. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, what, what was the trouble was all the locks that we had to navigate mm. with an eight boat. And it mm. was quite tricky to do um, that sort of around Letchlade area. Um, and that, yes. would have, that would have slowed us up a bit. There was a, there was a lot of talk, I think, about the timing. Um, having extra days to do it, and of course, Kingston is a is the part of the Thames that's above the tidal, which is what Ben was talking about earlier. So it's not tidal. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to go through the locks and not over the weirs. Yes. Yes. So I think we stopped at Kingston as well because I think if we had to go too much further, we would have had to have a um, lifeboat to go uh, um, with us, and I the think that was. 
yes, a rescue boat. And that was going to take half our charity money away from us. And the thought was, you know what, this is for charity. We want to give more money to the Cure Parkinson's Trust than to the Thames. Um, and even though we wanted to carry on, as Isaac said, you know, we have to think about the reason why we're doing things. And the actual reason for, for that row was to give as much money to the Cure Parkinson's Trust as possible. So it just made logical sense to stop at Kingston. And I have to say, I don't think I could have taken another stroke anyway. <laughs> Emma, how did you actually learn to row then? Because you transitioned a little bit like Isaac, starting on a rowing machine and then coming to sweep rowing on the water. How did you do that? So um, there are some lovely clubs in the UK and they offer something called learn to row courses for anybody who wants to do it. And so I signed up with Marlow Rowing Club, which is in Oxfordshire. And I did, it, it was about um, once every week for about five weeks. And I did it with three other ladies. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we learned how to row. So I learned the basics um, and I did it. It was within a year of my diagnosis. So then I could use two oars at that stage. But by the time we did the row, I wasn't that comfortable using my right arm. So we mm -hmm. ended up doing a sweep with the row down the Thames. And that was perfect because I could do that. So it all, you know, everything works out in life at the end of the day, doesn't it? I would Everything that. works out. And how amazingly flexible of you to not only learn erg rowing, but also sculling and then sweet rowing. You've, you've now done it. You, can you cox? You've, you'll have done it all. Uh, my dad can. He did at university. So the guys were talking about university. He coxed for Cambridge when he was all in the 50s, I should say. Um, so, yes. So a little bit of that in the, in the blood. <laughs> what was his name? Oh, Lawrence Newman. Lawrence Newman. We'll have to go and look him up. <laughs> did, did they win, Emma? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He um, he was little and light. I think that's why he was put in that position. Obviously, um, usually. <laughs> usually that's the case. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he won, but I think he enjoyed it. I think there's a picture of him somewhere, an old picture. Oh, it is one of those fun things about rowing that rowing memorabilia spans all sorts of different things and there is a fantastic blog called the rowing history blog called hear Ooh. the boat sing and they had a fabulous post recently with someone saying i found this statuette and it's clearly an oarsman he's standing he's holding an oar i think the tip of the oar had had broken partly and there was nothing to identify who they were and and they, it just became one of those sort of detective series like they do on the, <laughs> uh, the antiques road show and they will often identify things for people um oh. so they're, they're very smart and, and they love rowing postcards and as you say old photographs and the old pathé newsreels which they had before there was sound um, with particularly the boat race, they, that got filmed quite a lot. Now, Love that. tell us a little anecdote, please, Emma, about your row with Isaac down the Thames. Well, when I was thinking, there was a few, but I think the one I wanted to say was that, um, so we chose the Cure Parkinson's Trust as the charity to raise money for, which I was very grateful for. Um, 
sorry, I'm going to get this emotional. Um, they gave us T-shirts. And um, on the last day, all the guys decided they were going to wear the T-shirts. And it made me feel very happy. It made me feel very proud. Um, I'm the kind of person that does things for other people. I'm, I'm a mum. And I guess that's just part of, you know, what mums do. You do things for others. Yeah. And I've always found it very hard to accept other people doing things for me. And even though it wasn't like personally for me, it felt like that. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was, it was amazing. Oh, what a happy memory and what obviously delightful people who were so aligned with you on that journey yeah. um, with the fundraising as well. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Now, Isaac, did you have a particular memory from this challenge? I just, I just in awe of Emma, really. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I say, oh, yeah, uh, I didn't know how to ride the Go Atlantic. It's like someone with, you know, going with Parkinson's to then learn to row, then learn sweep, learn, and then do the Thames. And actually, like, that's, that's, a, that's so inspirational for so many people. That's so powerful. Like, Thank you. There's, yeah, I mean, anyone listening to this who's feeling like they need to try something new or something, you, you can. Like, that just proves it. You can, and you shouldn't, if I can interpret it, shouldn't be held back in any sense by physical ability, disability restrictions. It sounds to me like, Emma, you're just the perfect person for me showing us how to do these things. It doesn't feel like that. I, I'm listening to you guys talking. But I need to translate that into what I'm feeling because it feels like you're talking about somebody else, to be honest. I know it's me, but it doesn't feel like it. So I need to somehow I need to move past that and accept that. I will try. <laughs> Are you still rowing on your erg, Emma? I am still rowing on my erg. I um, Yes, I enjoy that a lot. Um, I actually so I moved from London to the West Country. Mm. And I did a little bit of kayaking on the River Wye, which is really beautiful. So I, yeah, I quite enjoy the kayaking. I find it really beautiful and relaxing. And as Isaac said before, just being out in nature on the river, there's nothing better really. Yeah, and for our overseas listeners, if you want to know what the River Wye is like and you've been watching the Netflix series called Sex Education, that's the river that's in the opening credits. Yes. Ben, what are you doing with your rowing now? I think you're muted. Oh, no. We'll come back to you, Ben, when the connection's a little better. Isaac, what are you doing for your next challenge? I'm sure there's a challenge, isn't there? Next challenge from now? Um, I've got a few, yeah. <laughs> come on, um, share. What can you tell I us about? Well, there's some that I, I cannot reveal yet until the, the final funding's over the line. But um, I, I will probably do more so the, the more recent stuff. Um, so I've got some ultra runs I'm going to be doing, um, Ironmans, that sort of thing. And then I've got some, um, I've got, I can tell you about one expedition. I've got a Greenland expedition that's in a few years that I'm building up to. Yeah, so it's a lot of, yeah, some uh, North Arctic stuff going on. Um, you're going cold Big going time. cold it's a it's an environment i haven't really done yet so it's it's been on the list for a long time to do something cold yeah oh. and ben apologies for that i think i'm having technical difficulties <laughs> um what's, what 
what's your rowing at the moment? Are you rowing still? Yeah, so I haven't actually been rowing. Um, I've moved away from the river. Um, and I think I've been focusing more on, on cycling. I've kind of joined a triathlon club in London and um, very much like doing the, the regular distance activities <laughs> uh, of late. Although I've, I, I do have like a lot of adventures and discussions with my wife. Um, we did uh, a, a quite a considerable cycle from Barcelona to the Cape of Trafalgar uh, last year. Um, and so that's something that we've both talked about and we, we, we love like adventures together. But um, So yeah, it's like, there's lots of things happening in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> you are a very inspiring trio. And may I just say thank you for A, approaching me and B, all agreeing to come on and to give us the wonderful stories of what you've done, the challenges you've overcome. And you're just all inspirations. Thank you so much. Thanks, thank Rebecca, for much. having us. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Lovely. So for our listeners, this has been Rowing Chat. I'm Rebecca Caro. And please subscribe if you want to get a weekly email with a link to each of the episodes we published that week. Go to rowing.chat. You can subscribe there. Otherwise, just look us up in your regular podcast app. I very much look forward to seeing you next time.